0: Welcome to Let's Talk Faith and Justice podcast. My name is Lyndon Sayers, pronounce he, him, one of the co-hosts. Boston, the other co-host, is away in Saskatoon at an intensive seminary course. So we wish you all the best, Boston, as you wrap up that intensive and then head back to Victoria uh, so we can record an episode together. Today is February 14th, 2024. It is both Valentine's Day and Ash Wednesday on the Christian uh, liturgical calendar. Ash Wednesday is kind of a funny day uh, because it's the day that we impose ashes on our foreheads. Some people think of it as a Roman Catholic tradition. Uh, It is that, but also something observed by Anglicans, Lutherans, Presbyterians, United Church folks, and more. Um, and basically, it's about us remembering our mortality, not just in a morbid way. I mean, there's lots of memes and jokes about that. Uh, some fun memes out there with the Barbie movie with a quote, do you guys just ever think about uh, death or dying? Um and the tie-in to us tracing uh, a cross of ashes. So you could think of it, yes, it's remembering that we too will die, but it's in the humble sense that we're part of creation, that we are beings who have a beginning and an end, um, and that's also part of an ecological green understanding of the world. In some ways, the kind of techno dream of, of physically living forever, a la the Elon Musks and, and others who trying to invent technology towards that or people cryogenically freezing their heads or brains, hoping they will be resurrected in a literal way. There's also something that's not super green about that because right, we're already bursting at the seams with billions of people on the planet. And so there's also a sense that can be good that we come and we can celebrate life and joy together, and then we also leave. And so that cross of ashes, uh, while it might bring up other intonations for people, particularly if you have experienced religious trauma, One way of reclaiming some of these traditions is to think about it in the sense of us being part of a world. We don't stand above it. We're not trying to supersede the created world of the natural world, that we breathe air, we drink water, we have bodies. That is who we are. Uh, So that's something to celebrate, to be reminded of, and also that humility that Right as we're apparently in winter, but it is so extremely warm in so many places and so little snow. There's also a sadness attached to that, the role we've played in human-caused climate change. So that too could be something drawn into Ash Wednesday and the Christian season of Lent, time of reflection, that it could be drawing us in deeper to respecting the earth and our own place in it So, rather than uh, replicating behaviors that are destructive, we could maybe pause, maybe go for a walk along the beach here in Greater Victoria, go for a hike, and be a bit mindful of our role in that in ways and collectively that we could uh, reduce our impact there. So, that's a little preview there about Ash Wednesday and and lent certainly some people give up something for lent often food related Uh, there's a historic sense about fasting but there's also a sense that you could take something on for example you could take on an extra work of justice during these 40 days of lent it's the 40 days uh, prior to holy week and easter you could be helping your neighbor or helping someone with food insecurity, volunteering uh, at food bank or pantry, for example. Or if you are giving something up, maybe we need to give up some part of our carbon footprint. Uh, doing an extra trip for those of us who are able-bodied, who could walk or cycle or uh, skip out on uh, some travel or something that would be... Uh, use more carbon than otherwise. So just some ideas there and that it's grounded in a sense of us being more connected. Uh, we would say God, some would say creator. Um, people name the universe. Um, some sense of a spiritual well-being that sometimes when we give up something that's extra, that there is the sense of reflection, that we are more grounded. In our practices and who we are and what we're doing. So whether for you that's a Christian practice or something you're looking at reclaiming uh, away from some of the bad theologies that uh, tend to be very guilt-ridden or fear-based, uh, there can be more a celebratory sense that yes, we are part of those larger structures of injustice, whether it's towards the earth or towards each other in different ways, gender-based violence or racism, for example, that when we see ourselves as part of that web, that collectively we could be awakened and help dismantle systems of oppression. So that's one way of thinking about Lent maybe differently than you may have thought or heard. We hear about people who had practices maybe not eating meat during Lent or giving up alcohol uh, or having fish on Fridays, things like that. So those are some, for some people, a nostalgic uh, sense of these practices. For some, that's still very active and part of their tradition. Um, And if you don't have a tradition but interested in that, yeah, I'd encourage you to think about a time to take something on. So even if you're not Christian, uh, and not thinking of Lent in, in a faith sense. It might be a time of the year where it's still a bit darker, but it's getting towards getting a bit lighter, more sunlight. Not a bad time uh, to be thinking about something extra to be taking on. So maybe for you it was also a New Year's resolution, or you skipped that part, and there's something you yearn towards for it to come into fruition when it's spring or summer. So something to be grounded in there around Lent and, and so on. Now I also think it's a good time, this time of year in February and on Valentine's Day, uh, to think about ways in which we can increase love of neighbor. You know, Often we think about Valentine's Day solely in the romantic sense, which is also important. Uh, But what about love in that friendship sense that may not be romantic or just love of neighbor in terms of helping someone in need? And something we become a little more attuned to certainly during the pandemic and lockdown time, about people needing groceries, people who couldn't get out uh, but you or people you may know may be immunocompromised and still may need grocery delivery service or they might be sick and need a meal could be a time just to do something like that cook a meal for a friend or a neighbor who's either struggles to do it themselves or are too busy or just a nice gesture to increase community and connection so maybe there's a uh, you know, a fairly simple project like that to get off the ground. We've talked on this podcast before about the need for more community organizing, and that starts with building relationships and friendships. Too often, um, we don't know our neighbors or we don't know acquaintances well enough because we're we're so busy. And unfortunately, right, the world we live in, the stage of capitalism often dictates that we're working either very long hours on our job or maybe multiple jobs to make ends meet. Certainly paying rent in Greater Victoria or any of the other high rent areas often necessitates working more. So that cuts into time for uh, rest or restoring practices like art or reading or sports Uh, or, you know, just knocking on your neighbor's door and asking how they are. But maybe there's a moment before we just flop on the couch and scroll on our phone that we do one of those practices either for ourselves, whether you practice an instrument or like to draw or want to read or write, Um, that you could also use that opportunity to check in on a neighbor. I know I've promised to give one of our kids old scooters to a neighbor and when I checked in, the Super Bowl was on, so they were busy watching the Super Bowl. And I said, they said we'd check back later this week. And I noticed a few days have already gone by because I've been home later and have to remember oh, we got to get him that scooter and those protective pads. Uh, so even just a small thing where someone who lives very close to me, uh, a few days goes by just to do that simple gesture like drop something off you said you would do. So I I know very much what that's like uh, when we're busy, uh, forgetting small things, even things like forgetting to change a light bulb. Maybe you have a light bulb in your apartment or in your house that has been burnt out for a week or maybe many weeks, sometimes even months. It just sits there. We know it's burnt out. We're reminded of it every day, and yet we don't change it because it just feels like one thing too many uh, with a busy schedule. So I think those are human things. those are natural things. I've certainly benefited uh, from having parents stop by and help with household projects, some larger, some smaller that you just don't get around to. but it's it's funny how freeing it can be. You change that light bulb. Or you get those hooks on the wall again that pulled out of the gyprock and suddenly you can hang coats up again so they're not laying on the floor. And it you feel a little more human. You feel you're a little more capable of things. At least I feel that way. Um, having things reorganized and put away so that the messes don't pile up on every flat surface around you. Um And it's more likely you will do that art project because you don't feel like you're surrounded by mess or clutter or you feel like you can read the book in peace because there isn't a stack of books waiting to be shelved or dishes that need to be done or laundry to be folded, whatever it is. Uh, When we do find ways we can tend to those small things, the the more creative things become easier because it doesn't feel like we're carrying around a to-do list in the back of our minds that's a mile long. So maybe for you, it's something different, something else that's on the back of your mind, something on the to-do list that needs to happen. Uh, Maybe you gotta have to file taxes, uh, submit some receipts, do some banking, something that's bothering you uh, make that appointment with a dentist uh, or go to a walk-in clinic. whatever it is. you've been meaning to get checked out, but it just seems so onerous. You don't have a family doctor. Uh, you don't like talking to people on the phone. Uh, but nowadays you can often text or email most offices to schedule your appointments if you don't if if picking up the phone and calling seems like too much work. So again, what are some of those little things that might get off the pile to make some of the more creative things easier to do? And thinking about spiritual practices again, uh, that can be part of it. Sometimes we have to put the to-do list away so we can just do the thing, whether if you're into meditation or form of prayer or some kind of grounding. Some people run or cycle or do yoga, uh, play a team sport, I know I like to go running, uh, often running with other people. Uh, I find invigorating, there's some conversation, Uh, the time passes quickly. Those things can also build up energy reserves for us too. You know, it can be hard to get off the couch because we think we're so tired, but often once you do get up and do the thing, uh, you feel more recharged, you feel better, Uh, unless, right, we have a disability that's preventing us from that, or uh, maybe you suffer from clinical depression, which is a real thing. I mean, there's a lot of mental health that is undiagnosed or underdiagnosed. Maybe uh, you need different medication. Uh, It it could be a, a host of things. So really encourage you to go see mental health professionals. Go see medical professionals, to get that thing checked out that might be part of what's holding you back. And the more of those things we can tend to, it actually increases capacity for the things that bring joy, the creative projects, um, feeling that we're not behind on everything, um, senses of anxiety or that we're not doing what we need to be doing to lead a happy life, whatever it might be. So, getting back to, to Lent a little bit, I think one thing that that I notice is we're just so susceptible to advertising too, right? That that draw that happiness will come from consuming more. At least that's, that's kind of the whole point of advertising is to get us to buy something whether it's a physical product, a subscription, um, whatever it is, right? They're selling some idea of beauty, of toughness, of glamour, of luxury, and they're trying to attach that either to to, uh, some physical product or a service. And again, that that Lenten trope of doing with less it could be also poking holes in that world of advertising that, you know, probably driving a luxury SUV isn't going to make us happy. I mean, it might may help you get up a mountain with the all-wheel drive or whatever it is. Um, there might be reasons you need a, a Subaru if you uh, uh, need to cross the Malahut every day. But very often, right, There's, I'm always marvel at the West Coast hardcore folks who just have the trashiest cars and have surfboards on top and bike racks on the back, and it's like some 1992 Buick that runs, looks like a piece of junk, but it gets them to all the same places that a $70,000 luxury SUV gets people. And instead they have some, you know, $5,000 trashy Buick that has a lot of trunk space and can fit a lot of gear in it and haul bikes around. Uh, So you think about that, that some of those people, instead of working longer hours or driving trash cars and uh, enjoying their time heading out to uh, Jordan River uh, to go surfing, And there's probably other things like that in life, too, whether uh, whatever it might be. Although certainly in places where we're hindered by high rents, it's pretty hard just to live the simple life because such a big chunk of that paycheck is going to rent or to pay a mortgage. So we have a structural problem there because that's not just a choice you can make to consume less. Uh, when the rents are dictated by larger market forces. So it's a reminder that if we do want to be able to choose to live simpler lives and pursue lives of leisure and happiness and collective well-being, that we do have to dismantle systems of oppression uh, in whatever way that might show up. Sometimes that shows up, Uh, In terms of collective bargaining, if you're at a unionized workplace, sometimes that shows up. If you're in the gig economy, what a term that is. Um, It shows up by working together to undermine uh, corporate practices that are unjust. I remember getting a, a ride with Lyft in Vancouver and the Lyft driver showed up, and he said, "How much are they? How much are they charging you for this ride?" I think I needed a ride to the ferry, so it was like forty-five dollars uh, from downtown. They said, "You know what they're offering me?" And it was like twenty-something dollars, so just about half was going to the driver who has to drive for forty-five minutes and supply the vehicle. And the gas. So just a total ripoff. This guy's getting at most 25 bucks for 45 minutes of work plus supply car and gas. Not worth it. This guy's losing money. He's making less than minimum wage on this. He said, tell you what, I'm going to cancel the ride and you cancel it on your end. And so you're not reassigned to another driver. And uh, you just pay me $40 cash. I'm like, okay. You just have to make a kind of sp- spur-of-the-moment decision. Okay, well, uh, I'm sure Lyft knows this happens, and I'm sure they're working to counteract it or kick people off their platform who are caught doing this. Um, so was able to just uh, pay cash uh, to this Lyft driver and I paid him the regular fare that Lyft had prescribed and he was able to keep 100% of the money right say if if a company had you know charged a more fair share of that I don't know what the percentage would be but it certainly is not 50% certainly isn't 40 or 30% um, considering they're not providing any material benefit whatsoever, they're just connecting people via an app and taking everyone's money. Um, then, you know that system probably could work, and and drivers would be better paid. And so he has to try to undermine the system in order to survive living in Vancouver, and he was trying to engage in some kind of collective action with other drivers a bit risky because probably high chance he cancels too many rides and doesn't you know they've got their algorithms they can track like oh he canceled a ride downtown suddenly he's available out at the ferry terminal they know what they know what's up um but hopefully we can undermine some of these systems that are only serving these corporations and the shareholders and are not helping the drivers, they're not helping the fares, um, that we're in this world that's a bit inverted. So that can also be connected to a spiritual practice. Often we think about Christian practices unfortunately, as very uh, indefinitely future-oriented to think about heaven or life after death in this sense that it's not about life here and now. So part of reclaiming Christian practices and traditions, say, during the season of Lent, these 40 days, is to ground ourselves in now. How are we disrupting an unjust, unfair world in ways that will benefit us collectively so that a handful of monopolistic corporations don't run our lives. Because we're getting to the point where they seem to have more power than some of the governments that supposedly regulate them. And we see little bits of regulation, at least here in BC. There was some pushback against Airbnb in small ways here in Victoria and, and throughout the province of limiting short-term rentals uh, to dwellings that owners reside in so you can rent a suite or a room in your, your house but you can't be renting out condos and houses that are standalone in that same way. Um, so we see a little bit of movement there but what would it look like if we had that that kind of level of regulation, that was more wholesale. When we think about all the resource extraction, even in just BC, if you look at oil and gas, look at forestry and mining, what percentage of that, let's even set aside the environmental impacts of these practices, which old growth logging, for example, are just truly horrific. Um, but what percentage of the... Uh, the sale of the, these resources, do we even keep as people in BC? I mean, there's one percentage that will go to the government, and then there are jobs of people who work in those industries. But you have some places like in Scandinavian countries and beyond where the where oil and gas is nationalized, where you're keeping a hundred percent of the profit of those industries. So as you're trying to green the economy, you're not fighting some faceless corporation with a head office that could be anywhere in the world. But instead, you're using 100% of those profits and you can direct them uh, to help stimulate a green economy. So those are some opportunities that seem to be underused at least, and we see people fighting for that in BC, um, and often we're too much divided into our little groups. So, we might have a kind of special interest group fighting for one particular thing, and it feels like that we're we're too small up against these giant behemoth. Uh, very wealthy companies, and then politicians that that serve as a backstop that support them through regulation in ways that benefit corporations. Because there's a sense in which we think regulation limits um, capitalism, which part of that is true, but ultimately regulation allows certain kinds of economies to flourish. So if an economy is regulated; it it actually helps it thrive. So even industries that are taxed at a high rate, say for example alcohol, uh, surprisingly, that regulation can also benefit um, those companies because yes, a high percentage of it goes is collected through government taxes. But then it's also not transparent how much the company is charging us for that product because it's all wrapped up together uh, as one price. So as government taxation increases, so does the amount the companies can charge us for the product. So, yeah, I invite you to explore. There was some Land episodes uh, about how regulation surprisingly props up the very industries it promises uh, to curb. So what else is going on in, in your spiritual life these days? Maybe you have a practice for journaling. Maybe you like drawing. Maybe you go sit in the same sunny spot at the beach or there's things that you, music or a playlist you listen to during your commute in, whatever it might be. We all have different rituals and rites, even if we don't call them as such. It doesn't have to be religious in order for it to be a ritual. And something that uh, Reverend Dr. Chad Rimmer uh, mentioned, it was at a study conference with other Lutheran clergy in Canmore, Alberta last week, He's a new dean at Lutheran Theological Southern Seminary in Charleston, South Carolina. Something he said is Christians can get caught up in a weird purism to say, um, like when Christmas or Easter are also identified as as pagan traditions. And he said, that's not something to shy away from, that's something to, to lean into. That yes, things like the equinox Um, are things that lots of cultures and traditions have celebrated or yearned towards there being more uh, sunlight and longer days that it's okay for there to be different religious and non-religious approaches to that. That's just a very human thing. That's something for us to lift up and celebrate both the differences and similarities And away from the kind of purity around wanting something to be um, unmixed with some other culture or tradition or religious observance. The reality is that doesn't exist, that everything overlaps in some way. But we can be true to a tradition that we may have been brought up in or that is new to us or something we're curious about checking out. And they don't all always have to be in competition with each other or be uh, mutually exclusive. So maybe you're also just yearning for longer sunny days, which are pretty marvelous as we head towards those warmer months where it does seem to be light forever uh, when we get into June and July for sure. And already in the mornings, it's a little bit lighter, more earlier than it than it had been. You know, it kind of messes us up with uh, time change. Uh, maybe maybe that's something we'll finally drop, if uh, <clears throat> if we can get on board. Maybe with with the uh, Pacific Northwest states around us, we can have one kind of West Coast uh, zone. And maybe you like gray skies and you like rain certainly one of my children uh likes likes to be out in the grayness doesn't mind it i don't mind riding my bike in a bit of rain i don't prefer the pounding rain that soaks you but if you're dressed right it's not that bad but a little mist can be of interesting especially in the forest there's something magical about that if you're in a right a temperate rainforest as we have here these kind of mossy nordic rainforests with all the ferns and things that seem to thrive so much in this climate maybe you want to head up to Mackenzie bite in the Gallant todd park For a hike, for example, there's that one along Mackenzie Bight that traverses that waterfall uh, down. You start, you park at the top, assuming you're driving there, and you walk down the mountain along the waterfall down to the ocean or the inlet, Saanich Inlet, and then spend some time down there, bring some water and snacks, and then hike back up. It can also be a practice to celebrate the beauty of the earth, of things we see around us. And so as we say on Ash Wednesday, remember you are dust and to dust you shall return. It's also something to celebrate, to think about that we are part of the dust of these forests, the dust of the beauty of uh, the ocean animals, of the starfish and magical creatures we see in tidal pools that we aren't so different in terms of what we're made of and lends that humility that we are here to to care for all those creatures around us. Well, I think I'm going to wrap things up there on this solo episode. We needed to get something out this week. Thank you for joining me on part or all of this journey of this Uh, this episode as we talk about Ash Wednesday on Valentine's Day doesn't happen again for uh, probably not within our lifetimes for most of us. So I leave you with that today and I really look forward to Boston being back from his travels and we'll line up some other guests. But good to get something out this week. Drop us a line. You can find us on Instagram at Let's Talk Faith Justice. As always, we give a shout-out to CFUV Public Radio. Please support them. They're doing amazing work producing such a wide variety of shows. We give thanks to the Multiface Center at UVic, Inclusive Christians, which Boston and I are associated with, Lutheran Church of the Cross, which is just down the street from the university, and the BC Synod, which supports our work. Shout out to Bishop Kathy. So thanks again, and look forward to chatting with you next time. Peace, friends.